0: It's time now for the lamb Macerlane Legal Show. Each show, heard every other Thursday at 1230, will feature different lawyers and their guests from the law firm of Lamb-Mackerelane. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mary Ellen Allen and Guy Donatelli. Uh, Guy and I are partners in the law firm of lamb uh headquartered here in Westchester. Uh, we also have offices in Newtown Square in Philadelphia. Uh, Guy and I co-chair the employment law group. We offer advice and representation to businesses on all of their personnel issues, and we also advise individuals and businesses on general liability topics as well, such as the one that we're going to discuss today.
1: Uh, Thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, I want to wish everybody good health, because the topic we're going to be discussing today is one of the topics, I think, that we've discussed in the past, and we're, you know, the onion away to get to the bottom of of how this uh, pandemic and the COVID-19 infection affects all of us. So we'll be looking uh, a little bit at it today from the standpoint of what sorts of claims can be made by individuals who contract uh, the COVID-19 or the coronavirus and what can be done to uh, prevent uh, the likelihood of claims being made by those folks who become infected uh, for the contraction of uh, CV-19. I call it CV-19. We'll uh, discuss a little bit of that issue from the perspective of the person infected, uh, and we'll discuss it from the perspective of the person or entity uh, who's being uh, uh, accused of causing uh, the infection. And one of the items I think that we're going to try to concentrate on a little bit is uh, this concept that folks are being asked to sign what's called a waiver uh, in the event they contract uh, the coronavirus, uh, waiving rights they may have had, uh, if any, uh, uh, for uh, Claims they could make against the, those who gave it to them. So, we're going to discuss a little bit about about the concept of claims. We're going to discuss a little bit about the concept of waivers. And, and Mary Ellen, we have a pretty pretty rich history with waivers. But why don't you lay that out for our audience uh, so that we can focus in on what we're going to discuss?
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's best let's talk about the purpose of a liability waiver in general. Um, in general, it's it's to provide businesses with really a cost-effective approach uh, to protect against potential liability related to injury claims, uh, claims of serious injury or quite frankly, even death. Um, Liabilities, they're fairly routine in certain contexts, um, upheld by courts in general, if they meet the requirements. Uh, But at this point, it's unclear whether a COVID-19 waiver relieving a business of liability for exposure claims would be enforceable, and obviously that's due to the unprecedented nature of COVID-19. Uh, it's rapidly evolving. Uh, we get new information all the time about the virus, and of course, we, at this point, there's an absence of a vaccine.
1: Sure, and everybody that that you watch on television or you read uh, their their literature, it seems that there's a lot of questions that are answered with the Phrase we just don't know. Right. So I think so. I think what we're going to be looking at is uh, these waivers uh, in the context of uh, legal liability, where we really just don't know where it's where it's going to turn out. But let's try to put it in context a little bit about what we're talking about. Um, we really need to start with uh, the concept of, of uh, general negligence because there's no duty that just exists in general n- not to give somebody uh uh the flu or uh, any other sort of communicable disease uh, there needs to be a um, uh, a duty that society imposes on uh its its people uh that might occasion liability if you breach it for example drive carefully uh, we all know that we need to obey the traffic laws, we need to obey, obey traffic signals, uh, speed limits and things of that nature. And, and if you don't and you hurt somebody because of that, or if you're hurt uh, because someone doesn't follow those rules, uh, you could, uh, it could result in a lawsuit. We call that just uh, negligence. Uh, negligence is uh, a concept uh, where you need to prove that there's a duty that somebody breached that duty, and that damages resulted uh, as a uh, result of a breach of that duty. Uh, and so, we are uh, looking at at, at uh, those elements in the context of a of a COVID nineteen infection. Uh, those would be the elements somebody would need to prove that there needs to be a a, a duty. Uh, to protect a member of society from the infection, they would need to, you'd need to show that, that conduct or the failure of, uh, of a person to comply with that duty caused the COVID-19, which in my view, and I don't know how Mary Ellen feels, that's going to be the toughest in these sorts of situations. I agree. Because yeah, as soon as you leave your house, you could contract it virtually anywhere, even if you wear a mask, which everybody in our office does, and and Mary Ellen and I are six and a half feet apart in a room with a running fan, so we don't have our masks on so you can hear us. But this would be a situation where either one of us could accuse the other of, of causing the infection. So you've got to be able to show cause, and then you have to be able to, to prove damages. Um, and some people get very, very sick and, and expire as a result of the infection, and some people don't. Some people, they through it because their bodies are wired in a different way. Um, so these, this concept of, of, of waivers, Mariana, has surfaced in a way to protect uh, establishments from uh, uh, from liability and to provide some certainty to people who are visiting those establishments to know exactly what their rights are. So would you would you take us uh, a little bit through that and try to try to braid the the waiver concept into potential liability for contracting? COVID-19.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I think I will start with waivers in general in Pennsylvania. Obviously, we're going to focus on Pennsylvania since that's where we are. Um, waivers in general, liability waivers, are enforceable uh, if they meet certain requirements. There are states in our country that um, where waivers are just completely unenforceable; uh, they, they're not recognized. Pennsylvania is not one of those states. So, if it meets the requirements, uh, the court is looking at. Um, a waiver that has been drafted by a business, signed by an individual, um, the court is going to look and see whether um, the agreement, first of all, does not contravene public policy. And I'll break these down. But first of all, does not contravene public policy. Secondly, it's between uh, persons relating entirely to their own private affairs and third, each party is a free bargaining agent to the agreement so that uh, they each have a say in whether or not this agreement will be entered into. So, so let's break that down a little bit. Uh, first of all, the agreement does not contravene public policy. Well, what does that mean? Waivers that protect from liability for gross negligence or extremely reckless behavior, um, intentional behavior, extreme behavior, extreme misconduct, courts have found that contravenes public policy and those won't be upheld. Um, liability waivers will be upheld if they're waiving general negligence. It wasn't an intentional act uh, by the business. Um, perhaps there was a duty that was breached, but it wasn't re- reckless disregard for the rights of the individual. And,
1: and I, I'm gonna jump in here and use a, a sports analogy. Yeah. It, it's, it's like football, everyone expects when you play football, expects um, you might get knocked around a bit, right? But uh, the league has instituted more, most recently,
0: mm-hmm.
1: certain uh, uh, spearing and other forms of, of tackling and, and, uh, and blocking, which they consider reckless and almost intentional. And you don't get a pass for that. If it's an accident, that's one thing. But if you in, if you intentionally cause the injury, uh, you're going to you're going to get the red flag in football. Uh, or the yellow flag in football, uh, or the yellow card in soccer, or the red flag in soccer. You red card in soccer. Um, same with the waiver. If you make an honest mistake, the waiver will. will the waiver
0: will stand. If, right.
1: If, if you commit a crime.
0: It, it's it's different. Reckless disregard for for the rights of others is a different situation. So as long as the agreement does not contravene public policy in that way, that's the first element. Um, secondly, it has to be between. Um, people relating entirely to their own private affairs. So just say, for example, uh, last week I visited the hair salon. Um, this is a private transaction between me and the hair salon. This is not something that's, that's public. I made the decision to go. They made the decision to accept me as a client. So that would be what's considered a, a private transaction. Um, as
1: opposed to perhaps being required by law to do something, such as re- report to... A prison, or attend school, uh, or something along those lines, where we are going to look at waivers later in the program uh, a, a li- with a little bit more scrutiny.
0: Right, and then the last, it, it can't be a what's called a contract of adhesion. Um, you have to have some bargaining power. So. Um, you know, if you walk into an establishment and they hand you a flyer of this is what you've agreed to before you even agree, that's not going to hold up, okay? The individual has to have the opportunity to review the agreement, to make sure that the individual is in agreement with the rights that are being waived, and then to go ahead and knowingly sign it. Just passing out a, you know, just by showing up here, you have waived your rights, that's really more of a contract of adhesion, uh, and most likely not going to hold up in terms of uh, enforceability of a waiver. Um, so, if it does push comes to shove and a court is looking at a waiver that's been drafted and signed, they're gonna the court is gonna analyze the specific language that's provided in the waiver against the applicable test. So we just went over those three elements. That's what a court would be looking for in terms of a li- general liability waiver in Pennsylvania.
1: Correct and if you ever get into a dispute about what the waiver might mean, mm-hmm. uh, the, the court is going to construe that language using what, what I call you know, fairly tried and true uh, construction techniques. They're, they're gonna read the document, they're gonna read it uh, strictly. They're going to uh, uh, make sure that the parties uh, uh, adequately express their intention in the agreement uh, and if it's ambiguous, they're going to construe it against uh, the person who drafted it. That's right. Uh, which is which is uh, important because most of the time, the woman and man on the street are not walking around drafting waivers. They're generally presented one, and they have whatever amount of time they have to review it before they make the decision. Uh, so if it's ambiguous. Um, uh, they will, uh, they'll construe it against the drafter. And, and finally, and again, we're going to touch a little bit on this later in the program. Um, th- there are certain immunities that governmental entities have that transcend a waiver. Uh, and there are exceptions to those immunities. Now, as it relates specifically to COVID-19, uh, one can make a very good argument that institutions, government institutions, are immune from CV-19 uh, liability suits as long as they follow the uh, applicable, the guidelines that are laid out for them. Um, because there is not, uh, uh, there are not a great number of exceptions to immunity, and we'll talk a little bit about immunity uh, uh, in, in a minute. Um, There's not many exceptions to that. So what does, what does Guy mean by immunity? Immunity uh, basically means if a government entity makes a mistake, an honest mistake, or a government official makes an honest mistake, you can't sue that official or that government for that mistake. Um, You know, generally, especially here in in Chester County, our government entities operate, I think, like well-oiled machines and, and deliver great services and, and do wonderful things both at the municipal level at the county level, um, but is but are people perfect? No, no, people are not perfect, and the and the the, the law recognizes that through the con- this concept uh, of immunity.
0: Sure, and of course the purpose of that is to make sure that government officials are are able to focus on the jobs for which they were elected, uh, and that they're not spending half their time defending against lawsuits, whether they're privileged or have merit, I mean, the whole point of being elected is to focus on those positions, and the immunity, of course, allows them to do
1: that. Right. Now, you you will see in, in certain situations where, um, in schools, for example, uh, uh, where the, uh, the student wants to take a class trip, which might be outside the building, you may need parental permission for that. And right. as part of that parental permission, there be, it may be a provision that says, You know, you understand that what we're doing is outside of the, kind of outside of the regular school day. So, you have to sign this waiver authorizing your student to participate in the activity. Um, It's 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 interesting. That's an that's an interesting um, uh, application to the COVID-19 issue because historically, schools uh, and other institutions that are attended. Regularly by people, either voluntarily or by compulsion. Um, you know, they, they they have issues with with uh, outbreaks all the time, mm-hmm. whether it's measles or well, not many measles anymore, but a lice outbreak or uh, flu or some sort of communicable disease that runs through uh, institutions. There's not there's no liability for that. However. Um, Uh, in the context of COVID-19, in a business context, I think that um, businesses might want to take a closer look at how they might be able to protect themselves.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So would you walk us through that if you can? So,
0: Yeah, so let's talk about waivers in terms of, um, you know, what should be considered for a waiver for COVID-19? And we've talked generally about uh, waivers in Pennsylvania and what makes them enforceable, what the courts will look at, so let's take that information and apply it to, okay, what should a waiver look like in terms of um, in terms of Covid nineteen? Okay? First of all, it should be um, in writing, all right? Um, this is not going to be a verbal waiver in any sense. Uh, it should be and the individual should be entering into it knowing and voluntarily, knowingly and voluntarily, okay? So let's, let's think about what should be included in a waiver. First, um, businesses should clearly state the potential risk of COVID-19 exposure, um, even after careful preventative measures uh, are taken. So the person signing it, if they don't know already, they understand that they are putting themselves at risk for COVID-19 exposure, which can carry with it um, either mild symptoms or extreme symptoms, and could even lead to death, uh, as we all know. So that should be clearly stated in the waiver. The company, the business, the entity should also include in there what preventative measures the business has taken to protect its customers and clients that are walking in the door. Uh, the, department, uh, the government has put out multiple orders um, about what businesses should be doing to make sure uh, that they're mitigating the risks of COVID and what the what cleanliness factors should be taken into account, what steps should be taken to make sure that the business stays clean, masks should be worn, social distancing rules are going to be put in place. So it makes sense for the business to put out in the waiver what steps they've taken to make sure that they're trying to mitigate the risk of COVID. And,
1: in- and if, I, if I may, that... And this is a little bit off off track, but it, not not really, because Mary Ellen makes a good point. It's always nice to have something in writing. Our office is closed, but but we're open. Right. Uh, you 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 have to ring the doorbell. You are you are escorted in, and you're asked three or four questions. Correct. Uh, have you been to any of these states? Do you have
0: have any of these symptoms. symptoms, right? Have you been exposed? Do you have them? your mask?
1: That type right. of thing. Yes. May, and the, those are the types of, of considerations that will support, in my view. Uh, now we don't ask anybody here to sign a waiver. We don't. We, no. We we um, uh, sir, sir, we're a service business, and our, we know our clients. We want our clients to be comfortable, and we know we're doing a good job keeping our staff, our partners. Our coworkers and our clients safe in this office. But it wouldn't hurt uh, if we needed to use that in a waiver context to be able to say, not not only am I um, uh, am I do I have this waiver, but we were careful, right? And we were we were certainly not negligent or flip or reckless in the introduction of a person into an environment that we had reason to believe might be. Um, uh, a, 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 a super, a, a, what do they call it, a location of a super spreader or, or ripe with contagion.
0: Um, right. We took those steps. We, we took, took the, the proper right. precautions. You know, we're trying, we're doing our best to keep you safe when you walk in the
1: and, and Westchester, I mean, I, I I was out, and about yesterday I went to a, a one of the nicest uh, retail establishments, I think, in Chester County, and I rang, had to ring the doorbell. Okay. Then they made like me. Here? <laughs> no, oh yeah, right down the street. Yeah, right. I had to ring the doorbell. I had to wear my mask, and I had to pull the mask down so they could take a picture of my face. And then I had to wait till the customer, the customer cusp- that was in, left. Okay. And then I was able to then go you were in. Going. Yeah. Now they didn't ask me to sign a waiver either, but I would have signed one because it appeared to me that the people running that establishment had their act together. Exactly. And and. um uh, that that will help if 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 uh, if you ever ask someone to sign a waiver or if you're considering whether to sign a waiver, right. or if you're bickering over whether a waiver is enforceable.
0: Okay? Exactly. And so along with, hey, these are the steps that we've taken to make to try to mitigate the exposure, to try to keep you safe, you have to expressly state that the customer fully understands and is willing to assume the risk. So the waiver should stay in there yes, I, customer, fully understand the risks associated with COVID-19 and understand that I'm willing to assume those risks based on the preventative measures, of course, that the business has put in place. And then, of course, the most important line of the waiver would be having the customer expressly agree to release the business from any claims in connection with COVID-19. So those are really the main points that should be included in a COVID waiver, in my opinion. You know, these are the steps... COVID 19 is a risk to everyone. Here are the steps that we have in place to try to prevent the spread of COVID. Uh, You, as the customer, understand that the risks associated with that, you're willing to assume those risks. And if you were to contract COVID while you're in our establishment, you're waiving uh, any claims in connection with COVID 19. So the customer, of course, then would not be able to turn around and do the
1: business. Right. Now, you're not going to encounter this all the time. I mean, and, I, and we're, we're going to get into the context of where you might encounter this. I'd like to offer this as just, you know, a thought experiment. You're, you're not going to get a waiver thrust in your face when you walk into ACME no. to do your marketing. Um, that would not be the sort of incidental contact that would occasion that sort of request for relief. First of all, it would be lousy for business, uh, and i just go to the giant. I guess (laughs) it would be easier to do that. Um, But if I was enrolling or re-enrolling my uh, child uh, in a daycare Mm -hmm. or some form of childcare, I would expect to see that sort of protection requested by Uh, that child care organization. Uh, Mary Ellen mentioned, um, well, I don't recall if she mentioned it or that I'm making it up in my mind, but there are some businesses where there's extraordinarily close contact between the customer or or the client and the person providing the services. I'll say uh, a masseuse or a hairdresser Mm -hmm. or a barber. Or uh, a, t- a, a tattoo artist,
0: right? The service itself involves close contact. Right. You yeah. may
1: be, you may encounter, and I can, I can suggest that you, you will, in certain circumstances, encounter um, uh, a waiver, uh, and uh, or at least the high probability of of, of getting that sort of waiver. Uh, but but it's catch as catch can. There's no uniform uh, sort of Congressional or legislative initiative to protect businesses. Now, recently, uh, Congress has proposed some legislation that would provide immunity to businesses uh, as a matter of law, uh, private businesses as a matter of law, uh, to protect those businesses from claims that uh, customers contracted, CV-19. A lot of In my view, there's a lot of problems with that, um, uh, and, I, and I won't get into them, but you, you can see them play out on the floor of the Senate and the floor of the House. A lot of people view that as unfair protection of, of business uh, and uh, a failure to recognize risks promoted to the public. Other people in Congress try to tie that to uh, the provision of... Uh, of uh, coronavirus aid or stimulus, Uh, and not surprisingly, that initiative has gone nowhere. So Mm -hmm. I don't think we can look to the government to provide a common sense approach to these types of things. So we're going to have to deal with it um, context uh, by context. And so the first context is what happens, Mary Ellen, in 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 a business situation?
0: Well, let's, how about in a work situation? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that you know, that's a different situation. Um, you know, a worker is coming to work. Uh, the business is open, whether they're an essential worker or restrictions have been lift, lifted, and they're coming to work. Uh, and what if that worker, that employee, contracts COVID-19 from somebody else at work? So they're working in the course and scope of their employment. Um, does that become a worker's comp claim? And you know, I think that's a that could be an entirely different t- topic for a whole nother day because we could cover a lot of if this, then that. Right. Um, I think we're going to see workers' comp claims uh, based on contracting COVID while at work. Right. Whether those are going to be recognized claims, I'm not sure. I mean, how are you going to prove that it was this is where I contracted it at work, even though I go to the grocery store or I saw some of my relatives last week, um, or, you know, maybe I traveled out of state over the summer, I went to the shore. How are you going to prove this is where, you know, the employee absolutely contracted COVID-19? I think that's going to be difficult to say It was with certainty in the course and scope of my employment.
1: Uh, agreed, and that's why a waiver might make some sense, because it provides some certainty.
0: Now, do you think that you could still do a waiver with an employee, I think maybe that could be seen as interference with the worker's comp rate.
1: Maybe um, one could also argue that the um, employee that, or the or the client or customer that is being accused of communicating the disease is mm-hmm. not the quote unquote employer. So it's a third party. Mm-hmm. Or, right, right. or or communicate or co- communicated the infection because he wasn't wearing his mask, which would have been a violation of employment right. rules and regulations. So these are the types of things, hopefully, you know, as a lawyer, you know, you, 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 you want to see sound
0: I common sense practice. Yep. This
1: would be a mess.
0: This is going to be arguments on both sides, no right. doubt. What about it guy in the context of landlord-tenant?
1: Yeah, that's that's another great uh that's another great area where where we, we saw a little bit of this in uh, the, the MRSA litigation or the MRSA cases that occurred where someone would rent property mm-hmm. uh, as a tenant. Uh, uh, the tenant would contract uh, uh, MRSA. They would trace, and tracing is a problem, going to be an increased problem in the COVID-19, but they would trace the 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 condition back to something that the landlord had failed to do right and all of a sudden the tenant would claim that the landlord violated some right under the lease uh because common area maintenance wasn't undertaken correctly it would be like a tenant walking up to her apartment uh after a snowfall well after a snowfall and the landlord just didn't have the sidewalk cleared and she fell and injured herself and sued the landlord for creating a condition that negligently that caused her injury why why couldn't that be made in a in a in a, a covid nineteen situation? I could see an imaginative plaintiff's lawyer and there are plenty of very good ones who would who would uh, who would um, take that case perhaps and I see a lot of very good imaginative uh, defense lawyers who would say, "Well, that's complete. That's complete nonsense. The the landlord had no knowledge whatsoever of the defective condition, which would be,
0: or the risks are in risk everywhere. Everywhere. So everywhere it would be go. it would
1: be an interesting it would be an interesting um, mm-hmm. it would be an interesting moot court exercise. Moot court exercise is is an exercise that lawyers engage in. It didn't really happen." <laughs> But wouldn't it, well, be it? It, yes. it be fun if it be fun if did?
0: Well, we could talk about these topics all day, I think. But uh, hopefully this has been helpful for everyone in terms of what should be included in a waiver and what waivers should look like in Pennsylvania in terms of COVID-19. Um, of course, this is for educational purposes only. This is not intended to be legal advice. If you do need legal advice, please call either me or Guy, uh, Lamb-Makirlane. It's 610-430-8000.
1: Be safe out there. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.